0: In Great Dunmo. We've been here before and it's part of our strategy to take cabinet meetings around the district. Um, uh, also welcome members of the public who I think are particularly here to talk about um, assets of community value um, and as, a, as such, well, it's actually the 13th item on our agenda but uh, you're very welcome to stay afterwards but out of courtesy we'll take it first so that if you want to leave you can uh, but we will just do apologies for absence and declarations of interest before we do that so apologies I see a full cabinet I think
1: and uh, leader also Councillor Dean has sent apologies
0: Councillor Dean do we have, what about Councillor Lodge
1: I haven't received any directs.
0: He is away. Okay. They might. His deputy might think it's in Saffron Walden. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So uh, we'll take Councillor Dean's apology at this stage. Councillor Barker.
2: Chairman, could I declare an interest in item 10 as the chairman of the Civilian Military Partnership Board in respect of the housing? Um, and items 12 and 13 as an Essex County councillor for Taitley and for Hatfield Heath.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Okay, as I say, we'll take item 13 um, first. And I have got... Well, I had four speakers, but I might have a fifth. It just works, because you're allowed three minutes each, and there's a maximum of 15 minutes. I've got Councillor Nigel Robley... Ivan Cooper, Nikki Champion, Samuel Bampton, and I think David Parrish as well, is that correct? Okay, um, I, I know the first four speakers were all going to say something, coming, saying something slightly different, um, so you might just, if, if you go last, Mr Parrish and then you can, um, you know, try and avoid repetition. Yeah, okay. So, um, Councillor Barker, do you want to say anything before we have our public speakers?
2: Um. Chairman, I'm quite happy to listen to the public speakers and then introduce the paper afterwards. I I think everybody now understands, because we've done it a number of times, what the criteria are for an asset of community value, and it's for the speakers to either persuade us or otherwise that uh, the prisoner of war camp at Hatfield Heath qualifies or doesn't qualify as an asset of community value. But we'll speak to that after we've heard them, please.
0: Okay, so I'll take it in in the order of um, Councillor Robley, uh, Mr Cooper... Mr. Champion, uh, Mr. Bampton, and then Mr. Parish. Three minutes each. Uh, there is a timer, um, and as I say, we'll have to be fairly strict on that because um, it just works. Five times three does equal 15. So, Okay, and you just press the button, and you're live. Okay. D- it, this is being broadcast, just to remind you. Okay.
3: I'm, um, my name's Nigel Robley. I'm a councillor for Hatfield Heath Parish Council, and we've put forward this, um, this proposal which surrounds the prison of war camp number 116. Uh, we hadn't realised until a few months ago, or a couple of months ago, even, that we could apply for such a, uh, an asset to be registered as a commu- of, of community value. <coughs> we feel very strongly, as a, county, as, a, as a parish council, that it is uh, of particular interest and almost unique in, in Britain. Never, pu- never mind in the, uh, the, the southeast of England. There's only one other that we can actually establish, is of a similar nature, and that is in York. So this is of a very unique interest. In the past, it has been visited on a regular basis by people. Of late, not so much, because, in fact, the owners, um, obviously, they want to make the best out of their asset, and they are looking to actually develop the land and put houses on it, uh, which is why we put this forward uh, in the first place uh the i have a correction to make uh, at one point in the in the uh the uh, uh the write up it says actually that we have not been able to get in since i think 196 uh, 1980 or something like that or 90 uh that's actually not factually correct we've done some more research and found out that uh from Mr Alan Wilton who was a school governor that um, he actually took trips on the 14th and the 22nd of October 14, accompanying class trips from the school to the site, and two further trips, which he cannot establish timing for. So, in fact, it, it is relatively recent. Um, uh, again, uh, we, have, uh, also, uh, to, we also wanted to take photographic evidence in case, in fact, the planning application went through and we lost the, the, uh, the, the asset. Uh, we wanted to actually take some photographs. That um, is possible, but there's lots of conditions associated with health and safety and what have you that are imposed by the developers. The way we would do this is to actually fund it from the Heritage Fund, you know, the Lottery Heritage Fund, uh, partly um, from public s- subscription. Partly, we would run it out of, initially out of the precept. And we would then, once we had established a break even, start to renovate and to, and to uh, use the profits of the, uh, the units to actually fund themselves. So, what we want to establish is a self funding proposal at the end of the day, uh, having initially had the, the benefit, obviously, of the lottery funding to actually make the, uh, the thing work in the first place. And really, that is, in summary, it. So uh, I've not used my three minutes. <laughs> no, no right. where well, you have, actually. Oh, I've okay. counted the last two <laughs> seconds,
0: so you've done very well.. Okay. Perfect timing. <coughs> Thank you.: you Yes, of course.
4: Good evening, everybody. I'm Nikki Champion and I'm a resident of Meal Lane in Hatfield Heath and I'm here to represent the community view on POW Camp 116. As a neighbour of the camp, I've personally experienced the public's interest in the site by witnessing the number of visitors to the camp since I moved to Hatfield Heath over 10 years ago. People come to visit the camp for various reasons. The history, their interest in World War II, family connections they may have with the site, uh, topic related um, with, the, with the schools, interest in uh, historical heart, art, there's some actual um, art pieces still remain in the camp, um, as well as wonderful photographic opportunities which are available. I appreciate the access to the site in recent years has been limited but this reflects the current owner's resistance to allow visitors access and does not reflect the lack of interest by the community locally and further afield. The community, with the help of the History Society whom you will hear from following myself, have attempted to preserve the site in the past. Since the threat of POW camp 116 became a serious reality in December 2016 By various means of communication, I have had the pleasure of receiving numerous comments on why POW Camp 1116 is important to to the community. A petition was conducted at the beginning of 2017 to prevent the development of the land on which the camp is situated, which meant the destruction of the camp. The petition achieved 510 signatures and many provided reasons for their support, some of which I would like to share with you. It's our heritage, but yet again things are taken away. There will be a loss of historic and educational World War II Prisoner of War camp. Please consider the historic Prisoner of War camp to be taken over by National Trust or English Heritage to be kept for the nation. Incredibly historic part of our village and shouldn't be destroyed. Prisoner of War camp 116 is of massive historical importance and is one of the best surviving POW camps in the UK. It should be preserved, not destroyed. One of the only remaining World War II prisoner of war camps which needs to be kept. The history the site holds is irreplaceable. These comments come from the local and wider community, Hatfield Heath, Shearing and Harlow. Most recently, a social media group was created, History Not Houses which was rapidly gathering momentum and currently has over 450 members. There is a strong feeling amongst the members that the camp should be preserved. I quote, need to preserve the history of the village, it can't be replaced once it has gone. Prisoner of War camp is an important piece of history with many of its World War II interns remaining locally. This camp could be turned into a viable museum which would be an asset to the community. Family members that of was, those prisoners... That was the bell, if you can just w- oh, sorry. summarise. Things. Family members of the... OK, I'll stop with the, uh, the quotes. Um, also on Tuesday of this week, our plight to recognise Prisoner of War Camp 116 as an asset of community value made the national and local press. There is a strong connection between the community and Prisoner of War Camp 116. The prisoners contributed to the, the community um, and made Hatfield Heath their homes. What would be amazing is the possibility of preserving the camp for current and future generations. It truly is part of our heritage. I hereby, on behalf of the community and surrounding areas, ask the Cabinet to support our request to grant POW Camp 116 as an asset to the community value. Thank you for allowing the um, community to have their voice heard here this evening.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you.
5: Um, a great deal has been said, which I obviously don't want to uh, reiterate. However, um, the emphasis placed on the educational value, particularly to the school, is one of very importance. Um, there has been attempts at several visits to the, from the school to the camp um, certainly since 2009, in fact, as you're aware, um, Governor Wilton has actually taken students round the school. The school itself is involved with us as a history society in a competition which is uh, for year six each year and for the last three years they've been involved heavily uh, with the World War II uh, essay which involves quite clearly the camp itself. I think since we produced the book in 2013 after the death of our previous chairman uh, that particular book has actually gone um, quite well in terms of a kind of global thing apart from just the uh, local area itself. Uh, Initially we printed 100 copies then another 100 then another 50 and we've actually sold over 240 copies uh, to uh, not only the local people but also to um, uh, quite a a kind of national population. Um, Also the emphasis placed on the camp itself is one which the English Heritage looked at in 2003 when they looked at all the camps. And they've placed categories on uh, camps from one to um, five. And uh, the, the actual element that they've put on to Uh, the um, POW camp 116 is a number two which in fact means that uh, it is nearly complete. The aspect of um, one area which is being used by Greenways uh, is clearly being used as a commercial thing, but the remainder, the guards area is still in its entirety as it was previously. Interestingly enough, there are at least uh, 16 camps that come under the categories 1 or 2. And yet, they are now 2 hotels, 3 training camps, 2 prisons, 2 schools, 1 museum, which is Eden.
0: That's the bell if you can just wind up now.
5: Okay. Um, Basically then, uh, There seems to me to be a perfectly good reason for that camp to be maintained in in itself and for uh, the uh, community and also the wider community as well.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Mr Bampton I think. To let the audience know that Councillor Light has joined the meeting.
6: Welcome, that's okay. Good evening, my name is Sam Bampton and I represent the landowners of the former POW Camp 116. Having reviewed the documentation, I am in agreement with the officer's view that there is no current qualifying use of the site as an asset of community value, as defined in section 88 of the Localism Act 2011. Section 88 states that the current use of the buildings or land that is not ancillary must further the social well being or social interests of the local community and that there is a realistic prospect of reuse by the community in the next five years. Camp 116 was built in 1941 and following its decommissioning in 1955, the property was returned to its original owners. Both the owners elected to retain the huts that had been erected and subsequently used them for a mixture of residential, commercial, and storage uses. These buildings have since and continue to remain in private use, with the site mostly being fenced. Following the purchase of the front part of the site by the current owner in 2009, he sought to maintain and repair the boundary fences to prevent potential trespass. As such, there has never been a qualifying use during his ownership or prior to that. Further, there is no realistic prospect of the site being used in the next five years. The Parish Council claimed that they would be able to purchase the property using heritage lottery funding. However, given, given the commercial value of the site and the costs associated with the restoring the buildings to create a National Trust-style setup, it is highly unlikely that they would be able to secure the necessary funds, and certainly not in the timescales set down by the legislation. I am currently involved in an HLF bid for St Oz's Priory. The process is highly competitive and any bid is unlikely to be successful without substantial match funding. For example, in most cases the HLF will not fund more than 50% of a project, Further, the average bid process takes 18 months and the HLF are currently in a process of restructuring, meaning a bid would take longer than the legislation allows before the site could be sold free of restriction. I would also like to draw attention to Historic England guidance that states heritage value or significance cannot be described as a community use in the meaning of this regime. Therefore, I would suggest that based on the contents of the application, the Parish Council have misunderstood the purpose of the legislation. It is acknowledged that the Parish Council and History Society consider the former POW camp to have a historic value, and several attempts have been made to engage with them. Specifically, it is is proposed to preserve the mural referred to, and to provide an information board at the entrance of the site, should redevelopment be permitted. Due to the time constraints, I have not sought to list all the reasons why listing these two sites would be wrongful and unlawful, but as summarised, the uses of the site over the past century have not at any point fulfilled the criteria of section 88. Therefore, to accept this nomination would be an error in law that would leave the council open to a potential challenge and liable to pay compensation to the owners. As such, it cannot be considered in the public interest for the site to be added to the list. Thank you for your time. I hope this provides a clear overview of the situation. I look forward to listening to your discussion and I encourage you to follow our officer's advice. Thank you. Thank you. Mr
0: Parish. Thank
7: you, Chairman, for allowing me to speak the last. Um, First of all, I must quickly say that I was involved with uh, Oxford District Council for many years, as several people around the table know. Uh, I was also on the Parish Council for over 10 years, uh, partly Chairman and Vice-Chairman for many years as well. Uh, And I am, I must admit, Chairman of the History Society in Hatford Heath, where I've lived for over 40 years. But over 20 years ago, I became very involved in wildlife. And wildlife tonight is my concern. Not what these guys were saying. I agree totally with the application. I think it's 100% right. But in 2009 and 10, I was a councillor and I took over our registered wildlife area and built it up tremendously and it's a fantastic area now. Now I'm extremely angry at the two owners of the area concerned because they have now fenced most of their area around stopping wildlife from going in and out which is terrible when you think that there was uh, two herds that went in and out of there quite regularly um, and there's a small herd left now trying to get in and can't uh, it, which is ridiculous and we must consider our wildlife from now on prior to getting an agreement for their application They have been cutting trees down, going back before their first application of 35 houses, which is ridiculous because they never had permission to do it. We're doing much against our wildlife in this country, unfortunately, but if this application is successful, and I please hope and pray that you will all vote for it, I would help to encourage and give my whole life to encouraging wildlife for the children and the adults to learn about and to visit and to go around the whole area. As we're not allowed now, I've been trying to get in there quite a few times and I did last week and I was immediately turned around even though I'm partly disabled and I had a camera and they said no way and I was sent out. Thank you Chairman for allowing all of us to speak, that's very nice of you, appreciate it all. Thank you all very, very much indeed.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, I'll now uh, ask uh, Councillor Barker to comment on this application.
2: Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, um, I will read out the words as they stand on the paper so that we're all clear. An asset is of community value if, in the opinion of the local authority, either an actual current use of the building or other land that is not an ancillary use furthers the social well-being or social interests of the local community And it is realistic to think that there continue to be non-ancillary use of the building or other land, which will further, whether or not in the same way, the social well-being or social interests of the community. If I could stop there, Chairman, and ask my Cabinet colleagues to comment on that aspect, whether they believe there is an actual current use of the building or other land. Do I have any comments? I haven't seen anything in this paperwork that convinces me there is. People may look from beyond the fence, but... Entrance is not being granted, so apart from being able to look at some buildings, there is no current community use of this land. In my opinion, comments from colleagues, Councillor Ranger.
8: Yeah, I think that is um, clear. Uh, <laughs> I normally leave it on. Is it I think in answer to your. Um, Request Councillor Barker, yes, I think it's clear that there isn't a current use, uh, uh, unfortunately, um, that has lapsed in use. Um, so, yeah, I agree with that
0: sentiment. Anybody else that wishes to comment? Not at this stage. Okay.
2: Thank you. So, we move on to the second criteria that there is a time in the recent past where an actual use of the building or other land that was not an ancillary use further the social well-being or interests of the local community and it is realistic to think that there is a time in the next five years where there could be non-ancillary use of the building or other land that would further whether or not in the same way as before the social well-being or the social interest of the community. I think we're in a very strange place here. We have two parcels of private land with a fence round with our heritage sitting on it and that's a very funny place to be Um, Normally with these applications, the the subject of the application is a village hall or a recreation ground or something that people use every day and this isn't quite one of those, although people might like it to be. So my feeling is that this is not the right way to take um, an attempt to preserve these buildings and this site. Um, I will come to another suggestion later, but uh, councillors... Colleague comments. Mr. Howell. Um,
9: well, I have enormous sympathy for the, the local community, um, and I appreciate them coming here to talk and set out their views. It's clear that the site is part of the social fabric of, and historic fabric of this area, um, and it has some historic value. Um, I don't know that I'm qualified to assess what that historic value is, but, but clearly it is a part of the, the history of, of this country uh, within the last century. But the criteria on which we assess whether something is an asset of community value is, is quite clear. We've gone through a number of such um, applications over the last couple of years and as Councillor Barker says, we haven't had anything of this nature to date that looks anything like this um, and based on the legislation it's quite clear to me although I didn't need Mr. Banton to point out uh, the necessity to follow the legislation it is quite clear to me as a councillor that, that we should follow the, the letter uh, as set out in the legislation I don't see anything that justifies A decision to make this or designate this an asset of community value but as you say it clearly has some historic value uh, and I hope there would be some way in which it could be preserved or at least marked. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Councillor Ranger.
8: Thank you Leader. Um, I would like to ask uh, Mr Harborough if we have any knowledge what the current planning status is on this site. afraid I don't know offhand, but it's not relevant to the issue before you, which is does it meet the criteria in law? No, okay. I appreciate that, but it colours my thoughts on the matter. Um, again, Councillor Howes just said this is a unique site. There's not many developers um, in Athlisford, well there's none other than this one, that have a prisoner of war camp to deal with. Um, ben, Mr Bamford said the uh, you mentioned the commercial value of the the area but that's only materialised if planning consents obtained so at the moment what is the commercial value of the site I'm I'm a little bit perplexed about that Um, I'm perplexed that um, again Mr Bamford makes the statement that um, the funding wouldn't be realised well match funding has not been explored yet um, were that to be the situation. So, I, my thoughts are that this, this is a unique site, it needs a unique solution. If it can't be listed as a, an asset of community value, there must be some protection that can be built in. Um, and I would like to think that the owners um, would take note of the concerns raised by the community and that any future planning application, if the current one fails, um, should incorporate um, some of the buildings in a museum-type setting that um, reflects the community concerns for the preservation and the noting of the history and makes it available to public to explore. Um, so uh, that's, if it's not going to be an asset of community value, I think there's a message to be taken away by the owners.
0: Thank you. Chip. Thank you. you. Councillor Barker, do you want to...
2: Uh, Your Councillor Redfern and Councillor Light, if you're allowing her
0: to... <coughs> yep. I'll do ca- Excuse my cough. Councillor Redfern.
10: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I share my colleague's Um, concern over this. I think the disappointing thing for me is it was mentioned by one of the speakers that English Heritage have come out and looked at this um, previously and given it some sort of rating, I've written down here number two, Um, and whilst I accept that this doesn't fall within the criteria of an asset of community value, it obviously does have some um, heritage, historical value and um, I really think that's something that we should try and assist the Parish Council with investigating, but clearly it doesn't meet the criteria for an asset of community value.
0: Thank you, Councillor Light, who, uh, for members of the audience listening, is not a member of the Cabinet, but uh, the Chairman's discretion. She is welcome to speak.
11: Thank you very much, Chair. Um, I would like to see the, um, the history of the place preserved uh, while we were speaking, while this was being discussed. I thought of Colditz, which I visited uh, quite recently, uh, a few months ago. And it's an extraordinary place because it was a prison of war camp where the British officers were held and escaped, uh, tried to escape several times. And the records um, Is fascinating. There was an attempt to sell the whole place. It's a huge castle on the top of a a, a crag. Um, But fortunately that failed. So they were able to preserve the story and tell the story of the prisons of war and how they lived and, and, and what they did. And I think we should be doing the same here, is to value... Uh, this asset from a historical perspective and whatever we can do uh, to do that would be very welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dati. Councillor Riles. Thank you, Chair. I think we've got a unique situation here. I think they've all covered that. Um, if, I had my, if I was sitting on the planning committee I'd defer this and want a visit to have a look at it and that's what I'm going to propose now. I don't know if that's possible but I would like to be able to get a bit more of a feel of what we're looking at so I can make I, then I can make a reasoned decision. That's how I feel. OK. I, I, I think there are two issues here, and, and, and I'm sure Councillor Barker is about to summarise that. There's, there's the material question of whether it meets the criteria of being an asset of community value, and Councillor Barker will summarise, or has summarised and will summarise that point again. And then there is its historic interest and what can we do about it. So, Councillor Barker. Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you Chairman. Chairman, you will recall in January this year the Cabinet agreed to establish a local heritage list, a heritage assets list. This is for items, places, houses, things that do not have listed building status protection um, and aren't covered by anything else. And I, with a heavy heart, would like to propose the recommendation that the listing is rejected but add a second recommendation that the council works with its conservation officers, with the parish council, to see whether we can add this to the heritage asset list which is being compiled at present and which will be consulted on later this year. So that's my proposal, Chairman, that the nomination to list POW Camp 116 Hatfield Heath is rejected on the basis that the nomination does not identify a current qualifying community use of the land or a qualifying community use in the recent past, and that this council works with Hatfield Heath Parish Council to add the site to the heritage asset list, which is currently being compiled, which will be brought to Cabinet in May for consultation over the summer.
0: So before I put that to the vote, um, I hope you've followed our reasoning here. We, we have to stick by the letter of the law. We have been advised by officers, now you'll note at planning uh, committee meetings we don't always follow the advice of officers uh, but in this case uh, it is quite clear in terms of what an co- asset of community value is and what it is not and, and, and this does not meet the criteria in their view and we agree with them mm-hmm. I should also add that it's, uh, being an asset is not a panacea it's not going to actually stop anything uh, necessarily um, And that, that, but we absolutely collectively and you've heard I think every member of the Cabinet speak, uh, that we have uh, very full support and appreciation of what is something that's very special. And therefore, uh, to list that as a local... to put it on the local heritage list, probably gives it... um, uh, And we can read out, inclusion on the list will be viewed as a material planning consideration in planning applications. It does not result in any additional legal protection as such unless an Article 4 direction is applied to the property. Uh, and that um, is uh, what um, is being suggested. So it's difficult to balance one one list against another but I think it does give quite material uh, support and benefit and and I would ask um, Mr Bampton on behalf of the owners to to, to reflect on the community and indeed the Cabinet's view that we have something here of particular and, and very special interest and that we should do what we can to preserve that element of history. But um, I, I support um, Councillor Barker in terms of her analysis and her summary, and I now put that to the vote. So those in. I, and I will second um, the recommendation. So the recommendation is that the nomination to list POW camp 116 Hatfield Heath is rejected on the basis that the nomination does not identify a current qualifying community use of the land or a qualifying community use in the recent past. And, <coughs> and then Councillor Barker has gone on to uh, recommend that, um, and, and, and for the, you, you know, for District Council to work with the local community uh, to put this uh, on the local heritage list. Those in favour of that? that is carried. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. I hope you understand uh, our reasoning, but uh, without repeating myself, we, we fully appreciate the value of what you have. Thank you. Okay, I'll now go back to um, the... Yeah, of course. No, we quite understand. Thanks very much for coming. Yeah well I think you've heard I think you've heard our support for that (coughs) for those listening there's a short interlude as um, members leave the room Okay, moving on to item two, the minutes of the last meeting. Are they a true record? Agreed. Thank you very much indeed. They'll be duly signed. Item three, questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council. Item four, matters referred to the Executive.
2: <laughs>
0: item five...
2: Re- yes, yeah, coming to that. Sorry,
0: Reports uh, from governance, audit and performance and scrutiny committees. And there is something that I think... Uh, Rebecca is going to read out from Councillor Dean.
1: Yes, Chairman. This is the um, report sent by Councillor Dean, the Report of Scrutiny Committee, 27th of March 2018. Ian Parry from the Centre for Public Scrutiny presented his final report following his review of the Council's scrutiny processes and practices. It was noted that the Council was among a very few to have undertaken such a piece of work and its willingness to take on board constructive criticism and recognise where improvement can be made is welcomed. The report highlighted strengths in the Council's scrutiny arrangements, including good relationships between committee members and officers and committee members and executive members, along with the function being generally well organised and welcomed in the Council. Among the areas for improvement were that scrutiny lacks purpose and authority, it does not provide sufficient impact and value in shaping and improving decision-making, and that Cabinet is not sufficiently visibly accountable to scrutiny. The Committee welcomed the report's findings and accepted its recommendations. An action plan will be developed in order to implement recommendations. The Committee has requested that Cabinet considers the full report at its meeting in May as some of the recommendations will require a closer working relationship between Cabinet and scrutiny. This can be taken under the Standing Item 5. The committee also discussed its work programme for 2018-19. A list of potential areas for review was considered, drawn from items which previously had been on the work programme, new ideas based on issues members were aware of in their communities and ideas they felt would potentially warrant a view in order to add value to the council's work. For its May meeting, the committee has requested initial reports on recycling and on affordable housing with regard to what is needed and can be delivered in new developments. Thank you, Chairman.
0: Thank you very much. I don't know if uh, any colleagues wish to comment on that. Um, I've read the report. Um, It isn't particularly complimentary Um, and clearly uh, we uh, collectively need to uh, carry out a, a series of recommendations to make the scrutiny committee fulfil its function which in summary um, I think if you read through the sort of theme of that report is to be a critical friend and there are two key words in that and if you drop one of those words then I don't think scrutiny really does its job so uh, I'm sure the cabinet will want to work with the scrutiny committee uh, to deliver um, its effectiveness um, and uh, we'll take it forward in that context I don't know if anybody else wants to comment Okay. Uh, Refugee Working Party, is there anything to say on that? No, nothing further. Okay, that takes us to Item 7, the Corporate Plan Delivery for the year we're in, 1819, and then I'll talk about the summary of the previous year. So, uh, you've read the report. I draw your attention to two key paragraphs. Um, One is uh, Paragraph 6, which is our four, four themes, and I will read them out for the benefit of those listening, uh, to promote thriving, safe and healthy communities, to protect and enhance heritage and character, to support sustainable business growth and to maintain a financially sound and effective council. Since Uttlesford um, has uh, uh, developed well, the latest iteration of its uh, corporate plan, um, uh, Essex, the Essex partners have uh, come up with their own vision And in paragraph 11, uh, there are seven key principles that uh, they've set out. And I think most districts in Essex are following these and they chime well with with ours. And I'll just quickly read those out as well, if you'll bear with me. (coughs) Unite behind a sense of identity. (coughs) Enjoy life long into old age. Provide an equal foundation for every child strengthen communities through participation, develop our county sustainably, connect us to each other and the world, share prosperity with everyone. And as I say, we're we're very much signed up to that. We've done that on a previous occasion and and we mesh our own plans with that. So then um, our vision is laid out in in the papers and I certainly won't go through all the full detail of that, although I've done the summary points. But the actual... um, Delivery plan is Appendix B, uh, I don't intend to read it out but each item and to give r- uh, listeners a, an indication, and the first item is day centres, the next one is local plan, third one is promote healthy lifestyles, to each of those there is a responsible officer and a responsible cabinet member. So this is, this is, both, this is officers and, 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 and um, members working together And in a minute, we'll reflect on what we've achieved uh, in the year that's just finished. So, I don't think I need to say any more. Those, any comments? Okay, the um, recommendation is to approve the Corporate Plan Delivery Plan 1819 attached at Appendix B. Those in favour? Unanimous, thank you very much indeed. Uh, That takes us on to the next item, uh, 8, which is the final progress report on the corporate plan for the year that's just completed. So I obviously won't read out again uh, what I did the last time, but in paragraph 12 there are some highlights um, and um, there are seven or eight of those and um, obviously there is much more behind it but you will have read the report and and noted that and then uh, you have the the actions report laid out for you in the papers. So we have made progress in each area, uh, some more progress than others but we have taken it very seriously and I think made a very healthy contribution to the items described. Councillor Barker.
2: Chairman, you glossed over a very important item there at appendix or bullet point I. The council completed its purchase of a 50% share of Chestnut Research Park. That is an enormous achievement led by officers at this council. I think you know, it's an opportune point to actually acknowledge that this was an enormous achievement, a very complex issue, and has helped well, underpin the financial security of this council for the time being.
0: Thank you. I absolutely agree with that. Any other comments? Okay, I think uh, uh, in these circumstances one can appreciate what's been achieved and recognise that there's always more to be done. Uh, So the recommendation is to note the final progress report against the Corporate Plan Delivery Plan 1718 attached to Appendix A. Those in favour? Councillor Redfern? In favour? Yep, thank you, unanimous. Thank you very much indeed. Um, That takes us to item 9, which is the Voluntary Support Grants Committee, Um, and I call upon Councillor Ranger to talk to that uh, paper.
8: Thank you, Leader. Uh, The report sets out the details of the financial support that the Council affords to the voluntary sector. The workload placed upon the sector is immense and it's borne with great fortitude, expertise and to very good effect. The Council was pleased to recognise this by way of grant funding, doubly pleased to be in a position to supply grant funding. The evening in February that you, I and Councillor Howe spent learning of the achievements and future goals of the voluntary groups was one of enlightenment and appreciation. We were accompanied by two of our officers, Paula Evans and Sue Hayden, um, officers who I'd like to thank not only for their uh, support for the members but on behalf of the voluntary groups for making the path that they have to tread for grant funding as smooth as possible. As our budget for 18-19 is now set, we can assure the voluntary sector they will continue to receive council support not only in spirit but also in financial terms. If there's any questions, Chairman, I'm happy to address them. Thank you. Councillor Howell.
9: Um, we've had three items in succession here, where it's quite difficult to actually say how good we are. But actually, it is worth saying that we do a lot of really, really good things. I didn't speak to items seven and eight because they they are self-explanatory, and I think that we've made enormous progress along against most of the criteria that we've set ourselves. I echo. Councillor Barker's comments about Chester Research Park, but if you looked at the list of things that we've achieved each one of those are in their own right, very substantial and and considerable progress and I I, I like the way we have this rolling review of what we're doing. Um, I recognise there's very little visibility of this outside this room, it sometimes seems to me you plug away at these things and uh, you beat the drum, but no-one actually hears as often as they should. But this is an example of where, under this particular item, the community support grants, where we make a real and significant difference. Utilsford, I think, continues to contribute about £650,000 a year to our community groups, both through community grants, through these particular grants, to the voluntary sector, through the new homes bonus, and um, we've continued, despite financial challenges, to very much support the, uh, the organisations that do so much within our communities. I routinely go to the annual meetings of each of my parish councils, and it's very noticeable when the reports come from each of the community groups reporting about their activities in the year. Uttlesford is frequently mentioned as being a contributor to, to funding and to what they do. Um, so I think the work that we do is at, on behalf of all councillors, and it's not a party political issue, Uttersford does good things and helps others to do good things as well. So I very much enjoyed the presentation uh, in, at the meeting in February. I thought that work that was being done and presented to us demonstrated real commitment and hard work from the individuals and the organisations they represent. It was a, it's a tribute to, to them, that, at what they're able to do I'm delighted that we're able to support them. I think each of them, in their own right, very, very worthy uh, causes. It would be nice to have been able to give more, and the always is like that. But I think that we make a very substantial financial contribution, and one that I think all councils can be proud of.
0: Thank you very much. Now, the comments. There isn't a recommendation as such. So, thank you for that report. Moving on to item 10 which is amendments to housing allocations policy and homelessness strategy Um, and the date on the top of this report does indicate it was last year but I'm sure it's this year. Um, I'll ask uh, Councillor Redfern to talk to this. It does have a recommendation.
10: Yes, thank you Um, Chairman. um, This uh, is to look at the to, to make some amendments to the allocation policy for, and um, homelessness strategy. These have been re- reviewed and amended to take account of changes in legislation brought about by the government and in the introduction of the Homelessness Reduction Act 2017. The Act came into force on the 3rd of April this year. Um, and uh, <laughs> I've got here, we were bumped from an earlier cabinet because of uh, finance. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the new Act requires a greater emphasis on homelessness prevention and the Council will have new duties to prevent homelessness and, if they are unable to do this, to relieve homelessness. It is only after this stage that someone may be owed the full homelessness duty that requires the Council to find them a suitable longer-term, ha- longer-term housing. Um, I have had experience um, with someone um, who had to go through the process of what it was before of how you became homeless and it was quite miserable because you basically had to wait for the bailiff to turn up before we actually could could get involved so this means that we do something much earlier and i think it's a it's a much welcomed change um, so the allocation policy has been amended to take account of these new duties the homelessness strategy has also been amended accordingly There is one other change to the policy that needs to be made um, that has not been mentioned in the report and that is the wording on eligibility as it relates to members of the armed forces. The policy currently makes reference reference to honourable discharge. This term is no longer in use so the policy will now read applicants who are serving members of the regular forces or have served in the regular forces. The allocation policy is reviewed regularly and the offer that the Council makes to members or ex-members of the armed forces will be reviewed further at the time when the next allocation policy is reviewed. <coughs> so what I would like is that um, Cabinet supports the, um, approves the adoption of the amended versions of the Council's allocations policy and homelessness strategy for the adoption, for adoption backdated to the 3rd of April 2018.
0: Thank you. Do you, I have a second, Councillor Barker? And you also wish to speak.
2: Thank you, Chairman. Thank you very much, Councillor O'Rourke, for making that small alteration. Um, I very much welcome this document. Um, people who, are, <laughs> sounds terrible, doesn't it, know they're going to become homeless. Being able to intervene at a much earlier stage is, is a very sensible way forward to help them where we can and uh, prevent a lot of the stress that goes with with being made homeless, so I, I very much welcome this report.
0: Thank you very much. Anybody else wish to speak? Could you give us an indication, uh, because we have homes that we have on standby, uh, but at times they have to be utilised, can you give us an updated position in terms of whether we have any any homes available today, for example?
10: Are you talking about a temporary accommodation yes, that we have? Yes, I am. Have? Well, um, I will ima- refer to Judith here, but I would imagine that our temporary accommodation is full because it's always full, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um,
12: yeah, we, we do have some vacant, but they're only just because they've just become vacant, so they've just gone through the void process, and so they will be, be re letters um, as soon as we have somebody else ready to move into them. Um, we had a call five o'clock tonight from somebody um, effort, who we are going to have to put into temporary accommodation. So there's always a through flow. So if there are any empty, it's just because they're going through the natural void process in between clients. Yeah.
0: And how often do we use the accommodation in Harlow? What is our normal policy? If, if, if we have nothing uh, free, what happens then?
12: Um, I think you're obviously referring to bed and breakfast accommodation. Yeah. Um, we only use that in an emergency, and again, that would normally be for if it's a single person. Um, certainly, you know, obviously, if we take an out-of-hours call, it might be that we have to put somebody into bed and breakfast. Not necessarily that one, but one of the other or another bed and breakfast. But it's used just for emergencies, uh, and if anybody's in there for any length of time, it, it would only be ever single people.
0: Okay, thank you. Good. Any other? In which case, I've got a proposer and Councillor Light.
11: Light. Yes, thank you very much. I just wanted to know um, if the situation with homelessness at the moment, have we still got people on the street?
10: I, th- I think um, I don't think you're necessarily referring to homelessness. I think you're perhaps referring to rough sleeping. Um, and as far as we're aware, we don't have any rough sleepers in Uttlesford at this time
0: good you've heard the recommendation it's been seconded those in favour thank you very much indeed now I was slightly remiss so item 9 did not need a seconder because there wasn't a recommendation but items 7 and 8 which were around the strategy could I have a seconder please Councillor Redfern for both of them. Thank you very much indeed. Going on to item 11, which is the HRA land asset management. Councillor Redfern.
10: Thank you. Uh, this report provides details relating to the potential development of um, plots uh, located in, at the Elms in Dooten Hill and Hilltop Lane in Saffron Walden. Um, it was proposed that outline planning permission is sought on both sites and that they be sold on the open market. Um, the Dutton Hill um, site hasn't got um, planning permission yet, um, but Hilltop Lane has, um, and the sale proceeds from, from these would be ring-fenced and used within the HRA for the development of further um, financially viable council housing. Um, this would result in the best use of the housing assets whilst maximising the money available for further investment in new developments, Dutton um, Hill is a detached bungalow on a large plot located down a quiet lane and is surrounded on all sides by private properties. Um, the property is currently void and in need of modernisation which will require significant improvement and repair costs. Its location away from other council stocks means that it is not ideally located for either ongoing maintenance or the allocation of a council property. It's considered that the best use of this asset is to seek detailed planning permission for a four bedroom detached house and, as I say, sell this on the open market. Um, the other site is a garden reduction situated um, to the side of um, and behind Four Hilltop Lane in Saffron Walden. Um, this is a large plot and has obtained, uh, was obtained by dividing off part of the garden. Um, of a three-bedroom house at number four. Outline permission has been granted on this site for a two-bedroom detached bungalow and this is the one that we will be taking to the market first. So uh, the recommendation is in line with the HRA asset management and development strategy uh, and subject to outline planning permission being granted for both sites, Cabinet recommends that A, the identified sites be sold to the, on the open market by way of sealed bids with the guide price for offers ad, as advised by the selling agent. The guide price will be set to maximise income to the housing revenue account whilst maintaining competitiveness, competitiveness and interest in the plots. B that the receipt received is ring-fenced to fund the acquisition or development of new housing.
0: Thank you you very much. Do I have a seconder? Councillor Ranger, thank you. Anybody wish to speak? Councillor Light.
11: Yes, thank you. I have to speak against this because it makes no sense to me whatsoever to sell land that belongs to the council in order to uh, uh, um, build private properties. When you have the land, we should be building ourselves, keeping it within our portfolio of properties and using it as council housing. Surely this makes more economic sense.
0: Um,
9: I hadn't intended to, uh, to speak, but, but clearly it is important when you read the papers that you take into account the, the recommendations and, and the explanation that Councillor Redfern has quite clearly laid out as to why it is inappropriate for us to build a single house on its own away from any other, house, any other council houses the proceeds from the sale of this piece of land will allow us to make contributions and build council houses where they are best placed it seems to me entirely logical and sensible that we try and streamline our estates that we maximize the proceeds this is not money that is being lost this is money that allows us to invest in our housing stock it makes perfect economic sense to me and I'm very satisfied with the explanation as set out, and I will be voting in support of it.
0: Anybody else wish to speak?
2: Senator so Chairman.
10: Could I just can I respond to yeah, Councillor Light? Yeah. Um, I, I take your point, but I think Councillor Howell has sort of answered it. I mean, it really does not make economic sense for us to do a one off. Um, build it's just too expensive when we can take that money and we can make much more of that by doing other developments. And certainly when there's a potential for um, a, a market, ha- a single market house, we do get a, a decent capital return on that, and that does enable us to deliver more more council housing. And um, i think our record speaks for itself to be honest we are one of the few cap we started building council houses well before many other councils did and I, I. I think, um, I know you don't sit on the housing board, but I think you will know that we are, if you, if you were a member of that, you would know how much effort we put into finding the right sites. We have just bought, with some of our money, we have just bought eight houses in Rabwinter, um off a uh, housing association, and that is much better use of our money. We, it's really important that we get the best value for our tenants and future tenants, and I really don't believe that building these particular properties would do that. So I can assure you that this does definitely make economic sense.
0: Okay, good. Uh, I don't want to carry on the discussion. I mean, we've heard your view, you've heard others, so um, if it's a new point, fine.
11: Yes, it is. Thank you. Um, Two points, actually. One is that my understanding of the policy of the Council is that um, houses, um, social housing, social... Uh, affordable housing is not actually built altogether in a block but actually scattered um, the second point is that uh, well three points actually the second point is that it wouldn't be alone, uh, certainly in Hilltop Lane because there's already one there and the third point is I'd actually like to know the figures so what would the plot go for and um, so what value would accrue to the council as opposed to Uh, building and keeping for a family in need?
0: I can answer the first question. Uh, So, we have changed our policy over time. Uh, If you look at the development at the back of Tesco in Dumbo, there is very much a big chunk of social housing. That was refined, so Forest Hall Park, for example. um, You'll notice that it's in clusters, and I think that's what Councillor Redfern was referring to. Not, not individual houses, but groups of social housing that blend in with the overall housing environment. So that is, that is very much the, the current strategy of the House. As far as the money, I don't know if we have any detail at this stage. but um, no, be careful.
9: We need to make sure there isn't commercial sensitivity about Okay,
0: it. yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. I,
10: uh, yeah, uh,
0: uh,
2: yeah. I, I suppose we go to the vote.
10: No, I'm, I'm, what I was going to say was, to Councillor Light, like, I'm really happy to take this outside of this meeting and to discuss all of these points with you. But we do sca- we, the, the scattered policy is actually when we're doing a large development, we don't like to see more than 10 um, affordable houses um, together because we don't want that sort of feeling. Um, this is just; these are just two one-off one-off sites, and the cost of building is the pro- is. is the problem. It's not just the value of the plot, it's actually the cost of our, to us to build one property on its own when we can take a site and do several properties. We haven't done anywhere where we would just do, I don't think, we've done nowhere where we would just do one property. I think the smallest we've got was three at Sheds Lane. Yeah, yeah.
7: Those in
0: favour of the recommendation?
2: I'm no,
0: We've already had a seconder. Oh, okay. yep. Yep. Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. Item 12 which is Councillor Barker and Councillor Ranger, Section 106, Priors Green, Taitley.
2: Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, this paper sets out the ambitions of Taitley Parish Council to refurbish the old schoolhouse, which they bought last year, as a community hub to include Utterston Satellite Food Bank, the Community Cafe, an Outreach Citizen Advice Centre, a library, a youth club, and an office space for the Parish Council. I'm sharing this very ambitious project. It's going to take a lot of money, and as part of that, the Parish Council has requested us to release Section 106 monies from Priors Green for this purpose. The recommendation we have here is that £79,830.67 is released from the Community Facilities Equipment Funding and at £6,659.77 from the Community Enhancement Fund subject to the agreement of the contributing developers. This is takely share of the Section 106 money. Um, doesn't touch Little Canfield's share. That still sits in the pot. Chairman, this has been a a long drawn out whatever for the parish to actually buy the old schoolhouse. The work is very much needed and the parish is looking to raise the balance of the money through a public works loan board, um, as well as having increased the precept this year. So I propose the recommendations.
0: I have a seconder, Councillor Ranger. Do you wish to speak? Anybody wish to speak on this item? I think this is... um, Use of section 106 money in accordance with its um, designation. Councillor Redfern?
10: Um, Whilst I might have an opinion on this, I really think as the money is um, for taking Parish Council to decide what they want to do with it, it would be inappropriate for me um, or any of us to uh, say any different because that is what the money is there for. It's their their choice, it's their spend.
0: Community decision-making, localism, something we fully subscribe to. If there are no other comments, you've had the recommendation read out to you. You've had it seconded. Those in favour? Unanimous. Uh, item 13 we've already dealt with. Item 14, I assume, is... if No, there isn't an item 14. So even if I had anything urgent, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't
10: raise it. So the meeting is duly closed. Thank you very much indeed.